0: My dad was a pastor, so when I was growing up, I went to church all the time. And um, a song that we sang in Sunday school um, was one called Zacchaeus Was a Wee Little Man. Anybody know that song? Let me see your hands. Oh, okay, quite a few of you. Okay, um, how many of you actually sang that song? Okay, a number of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In case you didn't, um, it was a song written about a guy by the name of Zacchaeus in the Bible, has motions to it. Um, I'm going to recite it to you this morning, Um, decided not to sing it. Um, Our children's director, Melanie, actually really tried to encourage me to sing it to you, but um, I thought I would save myself the embarrassment and... uh, you the pain of listening to that, although it might be entertaining for you to hear, but it's a song that has motions to it, which, you know, as a kid, it's always good when you can move in church, so I will do the motions as I recite it, how's that? So this is the way it went, it went, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. And I think often we would sing, for I'm going to your house to play. It's it's a song that's recorded based on a fascinating story in the Bible. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the region called Judea, One of the towns where he would collect taxes was a town called Jericho, which is located about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And Jesus frequented that town. And so one day, Zacchaeus and Jesus met. And rather than tell you more about it, I just want to read you the story because, like I said, it's really fascinating. It's Luke 19 in the Bible. Um, I'm going to read to you verses. 1 through 10, and check out how this story goes. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus is going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus climbed down and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back Four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this house today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I don't know if you've thought of this before or not, but there's actually an unanswered question in this story. And the question is this. What is it that drove Zacchaeus up that tree? What made him want to climb the tree? Now, obvious, the obvious answer is because he was short and he wanted to see Jesus. But the question we're asking um, beyond that is, why, did he, why was he so driven to climb a tree to see Jesus? Jesus. You know, it's just not all that common for a wealthy, you know, well-educated, well-dressed, high-profile man to go downtown in broad daylight and climb a tree and crawl out on a limb, right? I mean, what made him just throw his public image aside and do something so char- uncharacteristic? Maybe you could even say, so weird, just so he could meet Jesus. Well, to answer that question... I'm going to take you on a journey this morning. We're going to tell a story. And all you need to do this morning is just sit back, relax, listen to the story, maybe put your imagination caps on as I tell you this story. There are no message notes today. Um, If you're a person who likes to take message notes and you looked in your bulletin today and you said, where are the message notes? There are none today because I'm just going to tell you a story. So we're going to go to the backyard of the Roman Empire in a sweltering, fly-infested land called Judea, and we will follow a dusty dirt road to us almost a path until we come to the town of Jericho. We arise early in the morning as the sun's coming up, and we're going to travel with a man who is a tax collector to see what he does. As the man sets off for his day, he checks his phone to see what appointments he has that day. He sees that he has Four houses to visit. He notices the names and addresses, which he has written down. Then he puts the first address into the app on his phone, and he heads in that direction. Soon he arrives. The place he comes to is unkept, It's just a little shanty, in need of paint and repairs. Zach doesn't seem to notice this, though, because we can read an in intensity in his eyes, because all that matters to him is the word unpaid that is on the receipt for this address. He's got a job to do. So he knocks at the door, and after some time, it cracks open, almost falling off its hinges. There stands a frail, pitiful-looking blind man. Who's there? The blind man asks. Zacchaeus, and I'm here to collect the taxes you owe the Roman government, responds Zac forcefully. With voice trembling, the blind man utters, I I have no family. I I don't have a pension. There's no society to help the blind. I want to pay, but I'm unable. If you'll just give me 30 days, I'll come up with the money. Now Zacchaeus is caught between money and mercy. Okay, he says reluctantly, this is not my usual style, but you have 30 days, but when I come back blind man, show me the money or you'll be blind and homeless. And he turns to walk away and thinks to himself, I hate these hard luck cases. Off to the next address, Zach goes. He knocks on another door. The instant the lady opens the door, Zach can tell that there's something wrong. Her hair is matted. Her face is wet with tears. She's strikingly pale. She takes the initiative. I know why you're here, but I can't pay. You see, for 12 years now, I've had this blood disorder. My insurance has been canceled. My husband divorced me. I have no money. I beg of you, can you just give me 30 days? Now what's Zach supposed to do? He's caught between greed and grace so he says all right you caught me in a good mood today you got 30 but when i return no excuses and as he walks off he thinks to himself man what a way to start my day as he arrives at the third house he can see this listless woman out front staring off into the distance She doesn't even seem to be aware of his arrival, and just as he begins to speak, he hears this blood-curdling scream that comes from behind him. As he whirls around, he sees a man running through the cemetery, cutting himself. He almost looks like some sort of wild animal. The woman finally speaks, that's my husband. He was a good man, and I love him, but he's become possessed by demons. No one can help him. He's mentally deranged. As the man runs closer, Zach begins to backpedal. He doesn't want to deal with the subject of taxes right now. I'll be back in 30 days, he says to her as he rushes off. His heart's still pounding as he looks at his phone for his fourth and final appointment of the day. When he arrives, he senses gloom in the air. And this is confirmed when, after he knocks, the woman who opens the door is obviously grieving, veiled, and dressed in black. She says, I know who you are, and I know why you're here, but my son, my only boy, died yesterday, and I'm on my way to his funeral. I had to use the tax money to bury him. Zacchaeus knows the routine by now. He says, I'll be back in 30 days. Thirty days pass quickly, and once again at the crack of dawn, Zach is off, anticipating a healthy payday. He looks at his phone again for the appointments, and he sighs as he remembers what happened just one month ago. It had been one of the most unproductive days of his career as a tax collector. So he squares his shoulders, and he thinks with resolve. No sob stories today. It's either pay, their property, or prison. When he arrives at the first house, he does a double take. At first, he thinks he's at the wrong address, but when he confirms that the address is correct, he begins to observe the metamorphosis that has taken place. There's grass in the yard, and it's manicured. The house has undergone renovations. When he knocks on the door, a man answers it and thoroughly studies Zacchaeus' appearance. Zac says, excuse me, sir, but I would like to speak to the man of the house. I am he, responds the man kindly but confidently. The man recognizes Zacchaeus's voice, so he continues, Mr. Zacchaeus, let me tell you a story. One day, a man told me that Jesus was coming to town. So I ran uptown. When Jesus was passing by, I heard all the commotion, and I asked, what's happening they said, it's Jesus. I yelled, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The townspeople, including the mayor, the city council, all of them said, be quiet, you're embarrassing the town. Quit being a nuisance. But I just yelled louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to push me into the background, but I just yelled even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mr. Zacchaeus do you have time to sit down and let me tell you about Jesus? Oh, by the way, here's the tax money I owe you. I was able to sell my service dog to someone who needed it, so I have some extra cash. As Zacchaeus leaves this man's house and heads to his second appointment, he's trying to get his head around what just happened. A man who was blind can now see But snapping back to reality, he reasoned, well, at least I got my money. I'm off to a good start today. Next, he comes to the second house. When he knocks, a beautiful woman, radiant with joy, answers. Her skin has color to it. Her hair is styled. It's good to see you, Zach," she says with eagerness. Zacchaeus is taken back. No one ever tells him they are glad to see him. And how does she know his name? He says, I'm looking for the woman who lives here. I am she. Now Zacchaeus' head is spinning. First a blind man can see, and now a woman dying with a blood disorder is miraculously improved. So sensing his astonishment, she says, Zac, come on in. Let me get you something to drink. I have a story to tell you. When you told me you would give me 30 days, I fully intended to be dead by now. And in fact, I prayed to God that he would just let me die. Then a few days after you came calling, a friend told me that Jesus was in town. She invited me to go with her to see him. I elbowed my way through the suffocating crowd, determined to get near him. When I touched his robe, I was completely healed you heard me right, no more doctor bills, so now I have the money to pay my taxes. Zacchaeus he heads for the third house, although satisfied that he's collected from the first two. What really dominates his thoughts now is the name Jesus. Whoever this Jesus guy was, Zac at least kind of likes him because he's putting money in his pockets. When he approaches the third house, he sees a handsome man outside. Well, she must have gotten herself a new man, Zacchaeus thinks. I really can't blame her considering how her husband turned out. He turned into a maniac. Just then the woman of the house comes running out. Zacchaeus, I want you to meet my husband. She points at the handsome man. I know you wouldn't recognize him, but he was the guy who was running through the cemetery 30 days ago. He's a new man, and it happened when... Jesus came to town. When Jesus walked in, the demons walked out. Zacchaeus, our lives were in shambles until we met Jesus. And on and on she goes. She just can't seem to quit talking about Jesus. Now, Zach's beginning to get a little curious. He's wondering if maybe he might ever meet Jesus. I mean, his life looks pretty good on the outside because he's wealthy, but he has some long-standing problems. He's had some painful experiences in his life. He feels pretty insecure because of his height. His life really isn't what he's wanted it to be, and when he's honest with himself in his quiet moments, he even feels a twinge of guilt for taking advantage of people like he has, but he doesn't let himself dwell on that very long could Jesus really make a difference in his life? Would Jesus even give the time of day to a guy like him, a tax collector? Probably not. As he approaches the last house, he thinks sarcastically, I wonder what awaits me here. A boy is playing out front. Apparently, the woman who lived there had moved away because her only son had died. She probably moved just to avoid paying her taxes. So Zacchaeus says to the boys, Excuse me, do you know where the Smith family moved to? The Smith family lives here, replies the boy. In fact, I'm Joe Smith, the son. But but wait a minute. I thought the Smith family only had one son, Zacchaeus responds with confusion. Well, they do, and I'm their son. Well, didn't they have your funeral 30 days ago? Blurts out Zacchaeus. The boy's face lights up. Oh, you mean you haven't heard? He smiles and continues. A man came to town. His name was... Wait, Zacchaeus interrupts. His name was Jesus, right? How do you know? The boy asks. Now, do you understand why a well-dressed sophisticated, wealthy man who lacks nothing in life other than maybe a few inches in height climbed a sycamore tree as the song says, for the Lord he wanted to see. Now, what's the point of this? Everybody matters to Jesus. The down-and-outers and and the up-and-outers. We all Matter to him? Do you remember his words? We read it in Luke 19, 10, where he said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Lost people matter to God. Blind people, sick people, people with problems, hurting people. Even people like Zacchaeus, who have all the money in the world. Jesus even said to him, Hey, I'd like to come over to your house and have dinner with you. Now, I want to get to know you, Zacchaeus, because you matter to me too. Now, we're in our fourth and concluding week of Share. And today, we're focusing on the power of an invitation. Just saying to someone, hey, would you come along to church with me? I want you to hear about someone who has changed my life. With Zacchaeus, Jesus actually invited himself over to Zacchaeus's. house. House. But you talk about a transformational experience. With joy, Zacchaeus decided to give half of his wealth to the poor and he paid back anybody he had cheated four times. Now, we have all been lost at one time or another in our lives. And all that means is we've lived apart from Jesus. We all have times when we weren't followers. For me, it was when I was a kid when I first realized I was lost. For you, it could have been when you were a kid, a teen, an adult. But you invited Jesus into your life, and it changed you for the better forever, just like it did Zacchaeus. And and some of you still may be sorting through that, still deciding whether or not you want to surrender your life to Jesus. But here's what we're asking of all of you. Invite invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers who don't go to church. We want them to experience what we've experienced. Our vision as a church is to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. So, many years ago when that became our vision, one thing we knew we had to do was make sure that if you attend here regularly, that you would feel comfortable inviting your friends on a Sunday morning. So we redesigned the way we do our Sunday morning services. We began to plan them through the eyes of your friends, the friends you would invite. And we want you to be able to invite your friends 52 Sundays a year. So for example, when your friend arrives, we tell our parkers, you are the, often the first impression for a guest who is arriving. When you help them park their car, It's a big deal because what you're doing really matters. We tell that to our entire First Impressions team. We want our facility to look friendly and inviting to your friends. When they hear the opening song, we want them to hear music just like they might hear on the radio. Um, We're hoping that will just put them at ease. And by the way, the song was rocking this morning, wasn't it? Um, Our music throughout the service is a style that they would be used to, hopefully that they will enjoy. We're very careful with the language that we use in our sermons and how we present them. We want sermons to be easy to understand, practical to your life. We want to talk to you, not at you. We use creative elements that hopefully will connect with you, connect with your friends, like the videos we use. We try to use creative elements that will connect to the topic of the day when possible. Why? because nothing matters more to us, nothing matters more to any of us than introducing our friends to Jesus, and we can do that through an invitation to church. We know how Jesus has changed our lives. You know, sometimes it can be intimidating to share our own faith story with someone else. It can be hard to begin a spiritual conversation, and we've encouraged all of you to do that The share series. We want you to do that. However, we also want to do everything that we can do as a church to make it easy for you to introduce your friends to Jesus. So that's why we do what we do on Sunday mornings. We say invite your friends any Sunday of the year. In addition to that, we try to provide other invite opportunities throughout the year. Our youth programs are a great way to do this. Have your kids invite their friends. Or have your friends, the parents, invite their kids. And we have things like Celebrate Recovery, MOPS, where you can invite. We have an occasional concert. Our band will do an occasional concert. They have one coming up in November. These are all invite opportunities. The power of an invitation. It can change the course of someone's life and their eternal destiny. There's a guy in the Bible... Who did that? He simply invited. We actually know very little about him. Um, he's known more for his brother. I get the impression that this guy was rather quiet. Perhaps he just preferred to stay in the background. Maybe he didn't have the most charismatic personality in the world. Maybe talking about spiritual things with others was just a little bit intimidating to him. But that didn't stop him from introducing his brother to Jesus. And through one simple invitation, this guy changed the course of history. Let me read you the story. This is John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon, that's Peter, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. You know, I love that story. Andrew brought Simon, Peter, to Jesus. The only reason most of us have ever heard of Andrew is because of Peter. Peter was one of the greatest leaders in the early church. The history of the early church is recorded. Much of it is recorded in the book of Acts in the Bible. Peter is mentioned there 59 times. Andrew is mentioned once. And that time is only in a list of the apostles. But he brought Peter to Jesus. And any of us can do that too. The power of an invitation. You don't have to be a Simon Peter, but we can all be Andrews. Next week, we are going to start a series called I Am Jesus. It's actually part two, a a sequel to a series we did a year ago. We're going to be looking at some of the claims of Jesus, um, some of the I Am statements, profound statements that Jesus made, like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. Some of these statements are pretty amazing. So invite a friend along. Let's pray. God, how I thank you for a story like Zacchaeus' that just inspires us. And thank you for reaching out to all of us, wherever we are, however unworthy we may seem or feel. And I, I love the story about Andrew and Peter, too, how Andrew just did what he could. He brought Peter to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for reaching out to each one of us. Thank you for caring so much about us that you were willing to go to a cross and die for us. And my prayer is that each one of us would just uh, invite, invite our friends so they could have the opportunity to meet you, which is not only a life-changing experience. It's an eternity changing experience. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.